Wow. You sure found this guy quick. Uh, yeah, because I'm a good detective. Look, Baby Legs, it's the criminal. Oh, I'm the killer. I'm running. I'm running real quick. Baby Legs, here we go. That's the sound I make when I'm trying to run fast. All right, I'm not going to get him. I'm, I just learned a real valuable lesson. I'm coming, Baby Legs. I'm regular legs. <laughs> we got him. Hey, that was good teamwork. Baby legs and regular legs, I'm proud of you two for working together. And baby legs, I know it was hard for you to come to the conclusion that you need a partner, but I'm proud of you that you did it. Hey, thanks, Chief. Now get the f out of here. Pretty cool, huh, Morty? Oh, uh, I thought it was cool. I'll give a f what you think, Jerry. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Well, let me tell you something. Well, let me tell you something. Well, let me tell you something. 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 Let me tell you something, man. Greetings Grapple fans, it's time once again for two differing generations of professional wrestling fans to discuss the world of professional wrestling in a professional wrestling podcast. It's the silly bang of, re- of podcasts out there. It is Let Me Tell You Something. I'm your co-host Lorcan Mullen and with me as always is the Rob Van Dam to my cane, the Daniel Bryan to my cane, the Hurry to my cane, <laughs> Mr. Simon Cross. Simon, how you doing mate? I'm doing good. You know, um, as I say, we, um, listeners, long-time listeners will know we've already done a uh, Kane episode, and uh, Lorcan's fascination with the big red machine has just shown uh, new depths there. Well, it's sort of thematically tied into what we're about to do today, aren't we, Simon? Now, that is true. If we were to consider ourselves as a tandem in the podcasting world. I think we're a well-oiled machine. We're, there's a bit of there's a fair bit of humility between the two of us. We're not going to be recognised for anything outside of this podcast work as a unit right now in the <laughs> podcasting world. However, Simon, I do fear for the day that maybe Ricky Gervais and uh, someone else in big in podcasts... Um, <laughs> if... I dread the day that Ricky Gervais and Richard Herring come together to form a superstar podcast team. Because that's what we're talking about today. We're not talking about your revivals. We're not talking about your demolitions. We're not even talking about your Steiner Brothers or your Road Warriors. What we're talking about here is a superstar tag team. That's the name we've chosen to use. It's something I've seen in the past used to describe these sort of tag teams. Um, And maybe to give you the earliest possible example that I could see when I was doing my little bit of research, maybe the first high-profile superstar tag team that sort of invaded the tag team division was in the early 80s when WWF champion Bob Backlund and WWF intercontinental champion Pedro Morales teamed up to face the WWF tag team champions, the Wild Samoans, and beat them for the titles. But then the rule was made that was also followed uh, 10 years later when the Ultimate Warrior won both the intercontinental and WWF championships that no wrestler can hold two belts at one time. 
So basically, uh, Bob Backlund and Pedro Morales did a, a, a smash and run uh, the <laughs> in the tag team division. And the Wild Samoans just had to go back to facing all the regular tag teams, the Chief J Strongbows and the likes. Um, so, Simon, as a much younger gentleman, although I wasn't around to see Pedro and, and, and uh, Morales uh, and, and Bob Backlund myself, what, what do you think of as the superstar tag teams? What would be your maybe go-to example if you were to ask to pluck one out from your head? I think I think I go for everyone's uh, superstar example. Uh, the greatest example of a superstar tag team is surely the Mega Powers, mm. Hogan and Savage. I mean, that's seared into like wrestling folklore forever. Yes, I think the key to what makes a superstar tag team to me is that people, two single stars that have been established and more likely than not have already been main event talents, mm. joining forces as a at least semi regular tag team. Um, sometimes they'll have a team name, sometimes they won't, sometimes their partnership will be on and off for several years, sometimes it will only be a three, four, five, six month run. But very often they're put in to give a bit of vitality to the tag team division and ultimately push the tag team division into much greater prominence. But I guess the question is, are they a help or a hindrance to tag teams? Well, to sort of expand on your point, yes, they're put in to boost the tag team division, but more often than not, they're put in to boost their own storyline and advance their side of things further. Because um, you'll have tag teams where they they're feuding, like Shawn Michaels and John Cena, when they won the tag team titles in the run up to their WrestleMania match. Um, so it, it's not a selfless that, act, though- really. Into, f- in tag team terms. Would you define that, though, Simon, as a different subcategory of tag team, which is the uh, classic tag team that doesn't get along with each other? Um, great examples of that in the past being in ECW's Chris Candido and Lance Storm, or even Sabu and Rob Van Dam in that tag division as well. Um, Yuji Nagata and Manabu Nakanishi had a, a great run as a tag team that would squabble quite often, but still win many of their matches. Like Seamus and Cesaro in Sheamus the early days. Seamus and Cesaro, that's sort, of, that's sort of what kicked off this discussion at the time of recording. The tag team champions are still the bar, Cesaro and Seamus. This is being recorded a couple of weeks before WrestleMania 34, where they will be facing Braun Strowman, and at this point a partner to be announced. Now, would you define Seamus and Cesaro as a superstar tag team, Simon? I think they're one of those ones that's really on the precipice of one side or the other. To sort of leap to and um, to leap back to one of your previous points before I answer that particular okay. question, uh, in terms of superstars that don't get along on a superstar tag team, you know, like um, squabbling tag teams and superstar tag teams, there's a lot of overlap on that Venn diagram. Mm. I, I think you can't discuss superstar tag teams without discussing tag teams that don't get along. Broadly, they're one and the same. Mm. Um, to answer your actual question in terms of whether Sheamus and Zoros are a superstar tag team, I think they were. I think they're now morphing in to a regular tag team. They're not quite there yet. They're sort of like a halfway house, if that makes sense. Mm. Both have their own individual style still and their own individual characteristics. But a lot of the um, dressing, of like the, the way they dress has like morphed into one, for example. Whereas before, Cesaro still came out with his ridiculous James Bond tuxedo mm. and Seamus with his kilt. It's... I think this... I think it's... They're stripping away 
some parts of the characteristics so they could like sell bar merchandise um for example and i think just because they became a really good tag team very um, often these superstar tag teams will not gel together as a cohesive unit they won't have double team moves they won't have a team name necessarily it will be uh, for example, Chris Jericho and The Miz, or Chris Jericho and The Big Show, although people did start calling them Jerry Show, that wasn't really a an actual team name. And Big Show and The Miz was Show Miz. Show Miz, yes. Um, but I do, you, think... do you get where I'm coming from? Because I think that's one thing that you... Ca- I think that's one of the things where it can be perceived as a hindrance to the tag team division. If you just present the superstars as being able to blow past all the regular tag teams without any real trouble whatsoever. Because I think what you should, what I've always believed you should do with tag team wrestling is present it as a separate discipline. That there yeah. are there are skills that are defined. A, a classic examples of that was one that I actually sent to you, Simon, as a bit of homework, I suppose. Which was when uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin and Kane won the tag team champion. Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Undertaker, sorry won the Tag Team Championships in mid-1998, and they had them face off against the New Age Outlaws in a Raw main event. Yeah. Now, that... Sorry, go on. I was going to say, that match was... um, It really highlights a couple of the points we're sort of alluding to here in terms of how superstar tag teams impact on the tag team division. Um, Due to the nature of the storyline, Undertaker walked in with both the title belts for a start, and... You sort of treated them with a little bit of contempt. I mean, Austin had his own title anyway, as he was the reigning WWE champion at the time. Mm. And it was like... The way that the psychology of the match worked, there was a lot of tag team um, connivory by the New Age Outlaws. Connivory? I'm I'm sticking... I stand by that word. Okay. (laughs) I'm inventing words, innovating. Um, Yes, there was a lot of like connivory and skullduggery by the new age outlaws but it just seemed like and, it, and this is true whenever you face like any big baby face in attack match i guess uh the moment they seize an opportunity stone cold just like breezed through them like um they were two jobbers facing ryback in his initial push or well, Strowman's initial push well i think actually what's interesting when you look at the psychology of that match and it was something i noticed right at the end was that it started with austin against billy gunn and then Austin tagged Undertaker, Billy Gunn tagged Road Dog, and then The Undertaker basically had to face off against the New Age Outlaws, and that was where the Outlaws did the tag team thing, and they tagged in and out. They must have both gone in and out of the ring about three or four times each time. And it was mm. that idea of keeping a fresh partner, and that they knew how to try to best beat The Undertaker and essentially try to create a handicap situation and then right at the end the undertaker makes the hot tag to austin so there are literally austin and the undertaker only tag each other twice in the whole match one each side and yeah whereas the new age outlaws are constantly switching back and forth so it, like i said it's that presentation of if it was a singles match austin against gun austin against road dog or undertaker against gun or undertaker against road dog that match would probably be over in less than five minutes, you wouldn't expect it to be a very long back-and-forth tussle. However, when it's the tag team, then it might take a lot longer. I guess the question would be, if if um, if Roger Federer and Rafa Nadal became a doubles tennis team, yeah, would they blitz past all of the doubles teams that usually have got Jamie Murray in them and someone else, that 
Or the Bryan brothers. Or the Bryan brothers, who are active, consistent doubles tag, uh, doubles tennis partners. I, d- I don't <laughs> know if that's true or not, but do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, in the sporting sense, especially in tennis, I, I don't think it would be a simple transition, but to sort of show my love in for two out of the big four that are in the tennis world for the last ten, five, ten years, I think Nadal and Federer would have the skill set to eventually overcome any like hiccups they'd have. But, but it, would it wouldn't be necessarily them, a smooth transition, no. It, it would take them longer to do it than if they fought, played one of those Brian brothers in a singles match. They'd have them done in three straight sets, probably, whereas in a doubles, it could be a five-set thriller. Yeah, yeah. No, I, yeah, a Brian brother on his own against either Federer or Nadal. I mean, I don't know, maybe with Nadal's knees, if, if it's on grass, maybe. But yeah, I'm going too damn too far down the tennis, yeah. tennis rabbit hole here. But broadly, the odds would be in the favour of Nadal or Federer mm. in a singles environment. Yeah, but in a tag team, in a doubles match... It might be a different story entirely. And I think that's what tag team wrestling should be presented as. A really good example of that, actually, was in the early days of Ring of Honor, when they decided to really put the... They did their first big push of the Briscoe brothers, and they had them, as a tag team, feud with the world champion, Samoa Joe. And they basically had it that Samoa Joe would always beat them in singles matches. They'd be tough matches, but he would win. Whereas when he would team up with, essentially, another fellow big-time tag team partner like AJ Styles or Jerry Lynn or Brian Danielson. He couldn't beat them for the tag belts because the Briscoes, the Briscoes knew how to wrestle as a tag team. And they knew how to isolate an opponent, get the pin at the last possible minute, you know, the, the appropriate time when the other partner's been able to incapacitate his opponents. That's a, a key. When you're playing your tag team psychology well, that's how it would work. I mean... The Revival, if you put The Revival up against a John Cena and a... Um, Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins. I think you could do it. You could present it as a good... And even it, without it being Cena and Rollins as a partnership that don't get along, even if they are like getting along, you can easily present it as they know all the double team moves. They know how to distract the referee at the right time. But the problem is that very often the superstar tag teams will come in, take the belts, and then lose them to another superstar tag team and then piss off, you know? Or like, or what will happen is the superstar tag team will implode and not lose cleanly. Like one partner will walk out on the other, for example. Or one partner, if they're in a battle royal, which is often a get-out for superstar tag teams, one partner will eliminate his own partner. Um, again, harking back to Cena Michaels. Yeah, because it's... To give an example, actually, would be the Jericho uh, tag team partnership, where they, well, they they just were handed the belts because it was originally going to be Chris Jericho and Edge, and I assume they just went through the same storyline with them, and they basically went through every member of the tag team division at that time, like Crime Time and uh, Carlito and Primo, I believe, and, and various other people. Yeah. just would beat them all. And then they finally lost the belts to DX, another superstar tag team of Triple H and Shawn Michaels, who then lost the belts to Show Miz, and I can't remember the lineage of the belts after that. But it was... Do you get where I'm coming from? That it was of no benefit to any regular tag team. It feels like if you're going to do that, you should have them be a... It, there should be a tag team equivalent of the Steiner Brothers or the Road Warriors, who are a team... That that seems like a, an equal to anyone in a tag team setting, you know. But 
But do we have a modern era version of that? We could do if they would push a team appropriately. Yeah. But if I, we present I, a team appropriately. It's not, the way, it's not rocket science. The way they treat the tag division now, I don't think... I think they... It, there's far less emphasis on it than there was in um, your childhood years of wrestling, mm. uh, where you had established teams that would be teams for life. The only team we really have now that's a team for life in the in the WWE is the Usos. Yeah, and I reckon that's only because they look so much like each other that they've never bothered to pull the trigger on splitting them. I think they would. I don't think they would want it any other way. To be honest with you. And, and it I, works. And, and and they're usually able to be... Again, they can be presented as people... They, they can beat a Sheamus and Cesaro, but I don't think they would have them get a convincing win over a John Cena and Seth Rollins. They would they pushed Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins to their limit several times, but... Yeah. I mean, the, uh, and then you'll have teams that start off not necessarily as superstar tag teams, but then they might break up and then come back together, and both of their statuses have risen to the point that they are now a superstar tag team. Uh, examples would be probably Edge and Christian. Right at the end of Edge's run, he started teaming with Christian again a bit when they were feuding with Alberto Del Rio and the like. DX, really when DX started, it was Shawn Michaels and company. And then it became Triple H's faction. But then when we got the just the streamlined Shawn Michaels and Triple H, that was them both as main event talents. If anything, Triple H was almost presented as the team captain leader of the group instead of Shawn Michaels. Um, Shawn Michaels being sort of like the flamboyant character in that mm. one in terms of like his wrestling style more unorthodox compared to straight laced Triple H's like tactical mastery yeah you can present you can make the case that the Hardy Boys reuniting at various points became something close to a superstar tactic. now this was one of the bullet points I have not written down because I'm, I'm not as good as prepper as you but in my head I have a bullet point of the Hardys what do they count as now do they count as a tag team? Do they count as individual superstars? And and they're both like been champions in their own like world champions in their own right. But when they get back together, do they count as a regular tag team or a superstar tag team because of their story? Because of how they came through the ranks in the wrestling world. It's a tough one to put down. Really, I think that they. I'd put it this way, I don't think as a tag team they could main event a, a, a pay-per-view. And I don't think as a singles Matt Hardy could main event a pay-per-view. But there was a time period where Jeff Hardy could main event a pay-per-view. Yeah. So I think, Jeff, I think... Hardy, Jeff Hardy surpassed the tag team. I think that's Matt a little Hardy, harsh on Matt. Harsh on Matt. Was, I think Matt Hardy can be defined outside of the tag team. But yeah. I don't even know if you can count TNA world title as a true they were a world champion Honestly, but with but the hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Yeah, I was going to say the broken thing, though. Yes, that, that he was the hottest property in wrestling. He and... was, but he was never presented as a main eventer in the WWE. No, but he sort of transcended it in a way. He like he brought attention to TNA at a time where TNA didn't have a lot of attention on it. He, I think, he drew attention to himself, not to TNA. But by proxy, TNA. I mean, yeah, it was his vision and him doing it but it, he was doing it, was, it for it was, tna it was the deletion videos and everything that led to that wrestlemania reaction i'll concede that yeah they're, they're, they're kind of on the closest thing to it like they're as close as a tag team gets to being a great main event tag team like the road warriors i suppose in the modern era they can yeah. sell you know you can you can sell out a, a an indie event selling it on the hardy boys versus the young bucks or the Bucks of Youth, as 
Matt Hardy would have described them. Well, there's another one. I mean, obviously, they're more in de- they're less like the Hardys, but they're superstar in a different sense, where they they're even like running their own shows and hoping to sell out a ten thousand seat arena at this point. The young but that's Bucks. as the Young Bucks. I don't think people would actually. I don't think you, they'd necessarily even sell a big venue if it was see Nick Jackson in action, but not Matt Jackson. True, but do you not think? Well, okay, let me let me put it to this there, and this is purely like armchair speculative um, uh, question. But if the young bucks were to split, do you think they have either of them had would have the skill set to become a superstar talent? Considering how we've already seen, probably not. I think they. I think Matt Jackson seems to be a bit more charismatic out of the two, or a bit more of a loudmouth out of the two. Um, but I think they're so defined by their tag team moves, by their by more bang for your buck, by all the super kicks, by all the chaos that their matches entail, because there's at least four bodies involved, so you can do long, intricate, um, high spots that have innovative moves. It's so much harder to do that in a singles environment. Yeah, no, I, I will I'll give you that. That tag matches, you can maintain a higher tempo for longer because of the nature of having a partner on the apron. Yeah. Um, and yeah, their style of wrestling does lend themselves heavily to that i mean i know due to i can't remember which one one of them's got the back injury at the moment so um part of the storyline is he's slowing down somewhat mm. so you know i mean who knows it's it's hyperbolic but i guess the point i'm trying to say is i guess the young books are the closest thing we have to the the hardies when they were up and coming in yeah. terms of maybe they've got enough momentum behind them whereas if they to be in a good place if they did split up to at least have a crack at mm. becoming individual main event stars. Yeah, but it would take a lot of work. And I wouldn't it would. I, I wouldn't for a second understand why they would do it unless one of them did retire from wrestling due to injury. That would be the only situation that I can see. No, no, yeah. It's it's it. yeah. It's not financially the right And thing in that to do situation it. I can imagine the other one trying to form a tag team with a new young up and comer. The younger book. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'll and and um, yeah, I think. But let's just get back to superstar tag teams because I think what they what what makes a superstar tag team is that they have their own individual baggage. They have their own legendary feuds or legendary opponents or or legendary finishing moves of their own that then comes into a tag team. And and like I said, they might not start off as a superstar tag team. An example I would give. Shawn Michaels and Diesel. Now, when Diesel debuted, he was just Shawn Michaels' bodyguard, and then gradually he would be introduced as a wrestler more, and they would tag team mm-hmm. off each other more often. But then it was really when they split up and mm. lost the tag team belts by vacancy in in that in that situation, like you mentioned earlier. But then Diesel becomes the WWF champion. They face each other in the wrestling main event of WrestleMania Eleven. <laughs> then they come back together and they're the two dudes with attitude very briefly but you know let's I can't really claim they can't really claim to be precursors to the attitude era try as they might with no. that name but you get where I'm coming from that the, they um, what they might start off as and what they might come back as is, is a different thing entirely the shield when yes. they debuted were, were, were a unit. That's what they were defined by. But then when they reunited in 2017, mm. there were characteristics of all of them that have been more defined and that they could come out with their own different costumes. Um, 
and to sort of piggyback off of one of the shields like greatest ex- uh, examples of ah no to piggyback one of the shields greatest feuds was off a team that had done just that evolution who had come back together and were markedly different to what they were when they were initially together. I mean, I know that's a stable more than the tag team, but the point still stands. I mean, Orton had developed his characteristics. He had his um, very has his very pronounced weak spot now with his shoulder issues. Um, you've got Batista, who had obviously like had grown and developed his character into a man who could stand on his own rather than just like a monster that likes to smash things and obviously triple h getting years and years and years of experience on him and becoming even more conniving in a like more corporate manner just more slimy as as well and like um it was interesting to see because obviously with that storyline you had um triple h trying to control the more pronounced ego of orton and batista which had naturally grown due to their levels of success since leaving Evolution in the first place. So, let's go back to our original question. Are superstar tag teams a good thing or a bad thing? I think the way they are used, increasingly, is a bad thing. However, I think they have been, and can be, a good thing and that's a very fence-sitting answer but mm. I, I generally think the way that they like superstar tag teams are used these days is more often to the advancement of the singles division than it is the advancement of the tag division mm. it's also well, how about you same uh, to bounce the question back to yourself i think they need to be as long as they don't kill off the tag division itself and make tag team wrestling look bad then they're fine. If you present a superstar tag team like Sting and Lex Luger and have them feud with Harlem Heat and the Steiner Brothers and the Road Warriors and basically be treated as equals in that environment, then Mm. I'm fine with it. There's no harm. Like, the Steiner Brothers can face off against the Sting and Lex Luger, but they can also face off against um, Arn Anderson and Larry Zbysko or, or something like that. Then I find that if you have Ric Flair and Arn Anderson face against the Hollywood Blondes, they need to be presented as equals. Mm. But often I feel the way they try and that what they try and do in that sense is rather than accentuate the skill set of tag team wrestling present within the established tag team, they they often go down the route of oh the uh, two superstars have to argue and have to not get along, and that's how they sink to the level of the tag team do you see what i'm saying mm. in terms of how it more often than not is presented that, that can emphasize the importance of teamwork and getting on as a, as a unit that the bar became a better tag team when they started to get along with one another true to the point that they can face off with seth rollins and dean ambrose and beat them beat two former world champions i know sheamus is a former world champion as well but you know where i'm coming from yeah um, whereas I don't think you could do that. I don't think you could have the Usos face off against Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose and it'd be presented as equals in any way, shape, or form, unfortunately. Ugh. You had the New Day that were presented as almost equals to the Shield, but you knew the Shield was ultimately going to come out triumphant from that. Yeah. Yeah, especially with the way like, that presented it uh, most recently at Survivor Series. That was very much of, oh, Raw's going to get one here kind of thing. But it's going to be good the way they get it. Um, oh, Do you get what I mean? The, the New Day were going to be around for several years after that, whereas The Shield might not have been. <laughs> the, the, it, the New Day yeah. would like to be around again, you know. For, and they're a team that almost have turned themselves into main event talents as a team. 
Yeah, that's a very good example of... as high as you can as a tag team. Yeah. Being presented as one of the key... There'll be faces on the side of a bus, and you very rarely will get that with tag teams. But, I mean, they got to host WrestleMania. If you told me five years ago that Big E, Kofi Kingston, and Xavier Woods would be the host of WrestleMania, would I have believed you? I no. think you would have, because you'd wonder why someone would make such a specific statement. It to, <laughs> would seem to come out of nowhere in the conversation, and you think there's a, there's a, there's a reason you're saying this. Yeah, it'd be like that bit in um... And you look suspiciously like I do, but with a few lines under your eyes and a bit more <laughs> uh, muffin around the top. So it'd be like I'm that... going to say, yeah, I'm going to say, yeah, that probably is the case. I'm going to bust out a very like very specific movie reference and try and take your, your gimmick away from you here. It'd be like that bit in Fifty First Dates where... Um... The brother is like, oh, and they're watching the football game they always watch. And the brother's like, oh, well, here's what I think's going to happen. And it exactly happens. And he's like, oh, you must be amazing. <laughs> you must be so psychic to see exactly this happening. Or well, Groundhog Day might be a classier example of that sign. <laughs> I knew, I knew you'd do that. I some, knew. Some I, of us don't. Some of us don't go for Adam Sandler movies. I baited the hook, and you, and you just bit on that. that you, you just I don't, think, I don't think you yeah. baited me at all. <laughs> oh, you see, you see, you say that, but I got exactly the response I knew I was going to get there. So, so who's playing who here? Let's <laughs> um, just say I knew if I called you. Mama bitch, you'd beat the crap out of me. Ha-ha, I win. <laughs> well, I thought that was going to happen, so I, I'm right. Are you? Are you the real winner here? <laughs> right, but, so shall we take a trip down to Mount Rushmore, Simon, or do you have anything further you want to say? Um, I feel we've been a bit too WWE-centric. So. Yeah, sure. I'm happy to talk about Japan, because it's interesting with the Japanese uh, situation, especially with New Japan and All Japan, very often, uh, All Japan in particular, the superstar tag teams would basically dominate that scene, uh, as well as the um, singles department. Mm. In the the 80s, it was all about Bruiser Brody and Stan Hansen and... and, um... See, that's a proper superstar team, because those two were like the guys like presented as the like as like the foreign threat not mm. just like a foreign menace just like these dudes have come over from america and we can't stop them the funks the uh jumbo saruta and tenru or jumbo saruta and giant baba and then in the 90s the tag division was pretty much defined by kabashi and masawa and kawada and Tawei. And mm. then eventually Akiyama would be introduced into that. And those were basically the the main events in the singles division were also the main events in the tag division. Um, and there weren't really teams, very rarely in Japan, where you get a team that has a team name. Yeah. It will be, as is currently the case, Sonada and Evil. Or it will be... Uh, the, one of the few examples, I guess, would now be Rapongi 3K. And that's in the junior tag team division where maybe they're, they're allowed to be a bit more defined as tag team wrestlers. Yeah. But more but like not, um, the, the, the situation will be two singles guys that, again, if you want to give an example, Tenkoji would be one of the best examples, which is uh, Hiroshi Tenzan and Satoshi Kojima. They, yeah. Because they were of that same third generation, they would so often be tagged together. And really winning the tag belts was usually one of the first signs that a heavyweight was making their way up the division mm. from a young lion. Um, 
it was the same with Tanahashi and uh, Nakamura, although Nakamura did win the heavyweight title, but that was a weird, freaky thing. Um, and then they become single stars, but then they come back together and they're again a dominant tag team. So I guess Tenkoji would be like the closest you've got to a Hardy Boys, maybe in the in the real life. Uh, in 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 as a Japanese parallel, <laughs> the real life. Sorry, I'm, I'm uh, there's only Japanese wrestling in your eyes. <laughs> Sometimes that fe- I wish that were the case. <laughs> but um, to to go to other American federations, I think WCW, um, especially in like the early nineties, they they were very like keen on um having tag their superstar tag teams together well, whether it be to uh, whether it be robocop as a partner <laughs> uh you've never wrestled to be fair simon uh, yeah but i know what you mean dusty Rhodes had his few big name tag team partners like magnum ta and they would feud with the midnight express or mm. when he formed the superpowers with nikita koloff which just blew everyone's minds because this was still technically soviet russia but you know it's getting better and um, Sting and Lex Luger. She- Here's a question: What are Anderson and Tully Blanchard a superstar tag team? Because they had their singles runs. They both won like TV titles, US titles. Well, I don't think mm-hmm. Anderson ever won the US title, but they were known as as competitors outside of the tag team. But then they formed the tag team. It's it's again it's it's a mirror of the Hardy question, isn't it? I think yes, but no. Um, like. That they are people, the individuals in their own right, but it's it's like a sum of their parts kind of thing with the Horsemen. Um, I feel like the Horsemen were like great people anyway, and then they just became phenomenal when you combine them. And when they went to the WWF, they were very much presented as a tag team package as the Brainbusters. Yeah, never quite got why they renamed them or like just went for that as a name it was it was an odd name to give them i feel well it was just because they were partnered with bobby the brain heenan it was basically bobby heenan's new tag team no uh, i suppose but you know it's just a bit i, I feel i feel they could have done better mm. mind you i feel that when i see the bludgeon brothers come to the ring it's like this was yeah. the name you gave them i don't mind okay. bludgeon brothers it's not quite alliterative but you know i and i'll give you i'll give you a, a b for effort yeah it'll do mm. <laughs> it'll do um but one of my favourite growths of a superstar tag team ever um, comes from TNA. And mm-hmm. I can't remember the nature of the tournament, but there was a random tag team tournament where even established tag teams got split up. It was like that random. And uh, James Storm and Bobby Roode ended up together. And from that, they grew into one of the hottest acts TNA had mm-hmm. uh, in beer money. Mm-hmm. And as a result, Storm and Roode grew. Roode to the point where he ended up challenging for the uh, TNA Heavyweight Championship. And obviously he's since taken that momentum on uh, to get himself into NXT and get himself onto the main roster. So would that have happened without them doing Beer Money? Because Beer Money gave him the platform after he was like somewhat milling around following the breakup of Team Canada. Mm-hmm. And America's Most Wanted had sort of... And like... James Storm was looking for something post-America's Most Wanted as well. Exactly. See, and it's... Sometimes a superstar ta- that's a great example of a superstar tag team just being really helpful to like individuals' careers. And mm. they didn't harm really they weren't really detrimental to the tag team division in the process. Mm. Okay. Um I can't think of much more outside of that now, can you? No, no, I think we're we're pretty succinct. We've pretty some things up there. Um Okay. Let's take so, a trip down to Mount Rushmore then, if you like. 
Okay, um, now do you want to go first? Well, I went first last time. Ah. Um, and as was the case, I basically gave away most of your listing. You had to kind of... Scramble. Scramble. So I've got... Because I've got a list of four and then a follow-up, like, subdivision of three honourable mentions slash they'll join my Mount Rushmore if you use two, use two of mine. So Okay. So, go on. Alright, so... I'm going to go with the one I just mentioned. I'm, I'm going to start with... This This is in no particular order before people, like, kick off. Uh, I am going to go with beer money because of the reasons I just said. I think it was a really great way of helping both the tag division and helping the individuals within the team reach new heights. Okay. Uh, it was just a really well-structured way of using a superstar tag team. Um, I'm going to go for the classic... I mean, they teamed on a semi-regular basis... Um, I'm going to go with the Mega Powers because that's the definitive one in most people's eyes when they think of Superstar Tag Team. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to go with... Now, I think you've got this one. Uh, so I was umming and ahhing whether or not to say it, but I do think it's fu- it's fun in its own way. And you did mention it in the intro, and I think I've just got to go for it. I'm going to go for Hurricane because that's a great... like. Um... Uh, you are stretching the definitions of Superstar Tag Teams there, man. Well, my, see, my I would say that if in order for you to be a superstar tag team, I would say that both of you should have really, at the very least, challenged for a world title going into that. And and the Hurricane was a mid carder for life. Well, hang on, Hurricane beat the Rock on occasion. He like Hurricane's an oddity. Like, yes, in terms of like stature. If you had to put him in a box, you'd I put just, him in the mid card. I, I think that's but not a great choice. I, I, I think that was like the tag team. They were a tag team for like six weeks. Yeah, but everyone remembers it. For comedic purposes. Hey, hey, memories are memories. I would would put... I'd put Rob Van Dam and Kane before them. I'd put Daniel Bryan and Kane before them. Yeah, I mean, Daniel Bryan and Kane. Destruction before them, if they're not on your list, and you've picked the Hurricane and Kane. (laughs) Well, I couldn't have two different Kane ones. Well, then Uh, choose the Brothers of Destruction, then! (laughs) You were so angry right now. No, I'm gonna um no, I'm gonna go team hell no then. I'm gonna change okay. it to team All hell right. no. That'll do. <laughs> I just love winding you up sometimes. Um and my fourth and final pick. Uh I'm gonna go for Sting and Lex Luger. Okay. Because I love the way that uh their story it was like Sting just like the, the figure of righteousness and Lex Luger just being a dirtbag and then mm, sticks yeah. not doing anything about it whatsoever. That was a really good. That's a storyline I don't think people use enough, and I thought they were, could have used it with Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens, where it's like I think everyone knows that guy that like people get along with that gets along with everyone, but he's got a mate that's a bit of a prick. Yeah, you know, and he's always having to like stop that guy getting into fights, and I always sort of saw that as the El Generico Kevin Steen dynamic, and and the same with this. Like Sting gets along with everyone. But not everyone gets along with who Sting gets along with. Yeah. You know? And like he's like, oh, well, Lex is fine. He's always great at the gym. And everyone's like, yeah. And the idea that Sting an could be a bad person, but to be a, but is a loyal friend to Sting as well. Yeah. I thought that was a fantastic storyline. Something that gets a little bit... It's one of those great storylines that I don't think gets enough credit. Yeah. Because I think that's a, that's a storyline mechanic, which I think to be bad, you've got to be a backstabber. And that's not necessarily true. Hmm. Um, well, you just don't stab every back that's in front of you. Yeah, you just... Look, there, but there, there are some people that you are just 
definitively loyal to. I mean, yeah. the Usos. Well, let's be fair. The, there was still a lot of mystery around Luke because he would do some shitty stuff behind Sting's back, often yeah. occasionally to Sting. But yeah, that that's my thought. I mean, um, okay. as I say, uh, it's it's the most fervent. <laughs> I think it's the most in- indignant I've heard you be whilst I was revealing my thought, and it did lead to a change. But yes. to review, beer money. Mega Powers, Team Hell No, and Sting That's and Luger. Right. Okay. Uh, so I have both the Mega Powers and Sting and Luger, so I'll leave you in uh, suspense as to which one I will choose as the definitive one. So the other two that I had underneath them were Stan, Bro- uh, Stan Brody and Bruiser Hansen, Stan Hansen and Bruiser Brody. Yep. Um, I've also got the Brothers of Destruction, because they will be on and off for many years. But, they, I mean, they even had their own definitive brothers of destruction posed by the end of it yeah i mean that is it is a great shout to put in there but then again are we are, is, uh, again it's just too much kane love i think <laughs> yeah that is true we might have to do a moratorium on kane at some point um some of my honorable mentions i considered the two-man power trip the brief run with steve mm-hmm. austin and triple h but that i debated I that for one. a couple of months really but it has one of my favorite bit, favorite bit of contempt for the tag team title from a superstar tag team when Austin's got both the belt, uh, got the tag team title, he just gets in the ring and just throws it to the ground to the yeah. point where it just slides out of the ring. And just mm. hits to the be ground. fair, Austin was like that with all belts. Uh, yeah, but like the tag one, he just, he just, he just hated it. It's like he didn't want to be there. I did consider Arn and Tully, but in the end, I thought if no, because Arn Anderson before then was really defined as a tag team, and like I said, he's like. Arn Anderson was a great main event, but it would be not as an Arn Anderson. It would be as part of the Four Horsemen or as, you know. So Ultimately, I... that's my reason I didn't like um, put the Hardys in. Because I, I think they, they're sort of, as I say, they're in that like no man's land, really. Uh, I consider Jericho. I, yeah, that... I consider Rated RKO very heavily. Okay, okay. Um, but in the end, I, I went with DX, the Triple H Shawn Michaels version. Because, again, it will come on and off for, for several years after that. Yeah. And it, it sort of showed where Triple H had come from. To and where it's always, like, referred to... They it... reunited. And, and they whenever they want to get out, they can refer to views it. And, yeah. you know, they, they, they would work as a unit even when they weren't technically a unit, like in the Hell in a Cell match with The Undertaker, where Shawn Michaels was the ref. Yeah. Or um, it'll come out of the blue, but you don't need to, like establish it sort of at wrestlemania 31 triple h sting where obviously dx had rocked up and then everyone's like oh what's going on and then just out the crowd sean just rocks up with a super kick as well and everyone's like oh okay cool we know exactly what's happening here exactly why this is happening so brothers of destruction stan hansen and bruiser brody dx and my pick for the definitive one will be the mega powers i think it had to be it kind of has to be yeah, nothing against Sting and Luger, but when when you pitch them against the Mega Powers, that... arguably two of the maybe five most famous wrestlers in the history of wrestling <laughs> of all time. Mm. Yeah. So that has been Superstar Tag Teams. <laughs> I was almost a bit of a Chemical Brothers there. <laughs> Superstar DJs, Superstar Tag Teams. Here we go. Hey, Braun. <laughs> Meet Bo. I don't know who he's going to tag team with. Someone might, someone said that what they should do is have the uh, Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal be the winner gets to tag with Braun Strowman. 
I don't then, think that's what's going to happen. And then Braun just enters the battle royal and eliminates. Someone was saying, I was saying, someone, someone said the way that Braun. Should oh, win. I see what you're saying. Like Braun yeah. will enter it, yeah. win the Andre the Giant Battle Royal. The method that he should win it would be for him to exit the ring through like the second rope or the bottom rope, and then just lift up the ring <laughs> and just and tip everyone tilt out. everyone else out on the other end of the ring. <laughs> which would be amazing nah <laughs> I I think it's or, gonna be Ellsworth uh, it makes sense someone was saying if they do that they need to do they need to recreate the um, shot where the rock looks into the crowd and it pans across to Ronda Rousey oh they yeah do that where Braun looks across and it pans across to James Ellsworth I would make the case that maybe Kurt Hawkins would be a good one to add because I think you and I would do it that Sheamus and Cesaro spend so long incapacitating Braun, yeah, and then have one of them race into the ring and Kurt Hawkins actually be the one to get the pin. <laughs> uh, no, I want, uh, yeah, I'd, again, I, I just want it to be Ellsworth because I just think that's a man who took his took his opportunity and ran with it to the the nth degree, and I just want to see Ellsworth back. I miss him with two hands. And a ticket has a to WrestleMania chance. has a fighting chance of being selected to be in the See, tag. See, with with Braun doing catch these hands, and um, Ellsworth having any man with two hands has a fighting chance. See, there, there might be something in merchandising there as Cat well. Team catch these two hands. Something like that. All right. Well, anyway, until that happens, and obviously by within a couple of weeks, we'll have dated this show terribly in the last few minutes. Not to do. But yeah. until then, Simon, how can people get in touch with you? Uh, people can get in touch with me um, on the streets of Leicester. People can get in touch with me on Facebook. People can also get in touch with me on uh, Simon Cross Free. Uh, so known because I am actually going to be the person uh, replacing Ant on Saturday Night's Takeaway <laughs> and uh, therefore added free as a sponsorship deal. Hashtag so. topical satire. Yeah, see, I have dated it even more then, even but in for more. a penny, in for a I pound. Someone tells me that there might be quite a few more stories of Adam McPartland, unfortunately, falling off various wagons before before too long. Let's hope he, let's hope this is his, like, right, let's get everything cleaned up now yeah. moment. Here, here. But after that quite depressing little <laughs> bit... Uh, my name's Lorcan Mullen. That's L-O-R-C-A-N-M-U-L-L-A for Apple N for Norman. That's my Twitter handle. That's my Instagram account. If you put an at gmail.com at the end of that, that's my email account. If you want to find out about my life as a professional wrestling fan, then by all means, get yourself an ebook copy of Confessions of a Smart Wrestling Fan. Fever Pitch in Spandex. That's the basic way I can put it. A, a hell of a tag team combination there. And for those of you who want to picture Nick Hornby in spandex, that mental image will be going into your brain right about now. It's all on you. I just envisioned a book in a Speedo. That's all I did. Um, That right there shows the sides of our characters right there. To admit, I am forming a new podcast of my own in the near future called Best of Worst of British. So keep your eyes out for that, where we talk about classics of the British film industry such as Sex Lives with the Potato Men and so on. And also the most recent release, Walk Like a Panther. It's not quite bad enough to warrant being on that show, but it was a uh, it was a bit of a disappointment. Did you end up seeing that, Simon? Not as of yet, and I'll be honest, you're not really selling it to it's me. Not, at the it's not terrible. 
but it's not good. Yeah. It's it's not even it's it's a it's a film made out of passion and love. I will give it that. And it's a great looking film as well. Like the way they film it is really impressive. But just it's a bit of a mishmash. Almost as if you couldn't put a cohesive team together to make a great film. Right? Oh, I see. Right? I see what you did there. Oh, he's on it. He's on yeah. it. But until then, uh thanks for letting us tell you something. On behalf of myself, Lorca Mullen. And myself, Simon Cross. Have a great time. Until the next time. Farewell, Grapple fans. I'm almost out. I'll be back. You've been back enough. I'll be back. Yippee-ki-yay.